Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. If you are able, please rise for this morning's scripture readings. Our first scripture reading is from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him, given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. The king of Gibeon offered to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteousness and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So, someone's that reading. Our next reading is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, so speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. You may be seated. So I gave you a few weeks off. I didn't give you a, a compass guide for the, for the previous three weeks. They're back. I got your compass guide in your bulletin, so I encourage you to, to have your bulletin handy. It does have scripture readings for the rest of this week, as well as questions to reflect on. Uh, as we continue to focus on wisdom this week. It also has a space that you can take notes so that when the Spirit speaks to you this morning, because I know the Spirit will, because this is where we encounter, one of the many places where we encounter God's Spirit. So when the Spirit speaks to you, you can jot that down. Jot down those notes so that you can remember those later. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we come to and are striving to hear your word. And so, God, I ask that you, would, that you would open up our hearts and open up our minds so that we can truly understand your word for us today and what you are trying to speak to us. So, God, I ask that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words, your message for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think we can all, all can acknowledge that, that we are on a journey today. I mean, we get up each and every morning facing yet another day along this journey of our lives, a journey that God has called us to participate in. See, here at Journey of Hope, we are also on this journey. We look to fulfill our mission to live out our faith as we encourage others to become disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world through our vision statement which is we are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and to the world. This is the journey we are on. This is the path that we have chosen and the one that God not only meets us on, but travels with us. We walk together, side by side, through this life as we grow in our faith and knowledge of God and as we grow in our relationships with each other. What a journey this is. And I have to say that I am so glad that we are all on this journey together. Like every good journey or safari, we need to bring things along with us. We need food, we need water, we need other provisions to help us along this journey. And so we embark on this short series about some of the things that we need for the journey. Wisdom, strength, and hope. Along this path, I hope that you will find just what you are needing for your walk with Jesus Christ. So today we come to our first stop along this journey, wisdom. The internet is full of wisdom. Right? Yeah. 
just to prove this, I found seven pieces of wisdom for you. One, nothing is foolproof to a talented fool. The early bird may get the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. Mm-hmm. Borrow money, I guess I should ask Gary this, borrow money from a pessimist, then don't expect it back. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, I love this one, destroy all evidence that you even tried. Experience is something you don't get until just after you need it. (laughs) The sooner you fall behind, the more time you have to catch up. And finally, another one of those. If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving isn't for you. See, we are surrounded by, by little sayings offering bits and pieces of wisdom for our lives. But is that what we truly want? Do we just want those little things that, that might give us a leg up on someone else? A slight advantage in our jobs? Maybe a, an advantage in our careers or a social life? Or is this gift of wisdom something greater? Let's begin by looking at Merriam-Webster's definition of wisdom, and it says this, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, a good sense, accumulated philosophical or scientific knowledge. Is that it? Certainly that can't be it. But what else could there be? I think of it this way. It's not only the knowledge, but also the ability to put that knowledge into practice. You see, there's a a story about a a man going on a a long European trip. And so before the trip, uh, he drives his, I know, first world problems, drives his Rolls Royce down to a downtown New York bank and proceeded to ask the loan officer for a loan of $5,000. The loan officer stated that, well, she needed a little bit of collateral, so he handed over the keys to his Rolls Royce. The loan officer had someone drive the car into an underground garage for safekeeping and then gave the man his $5,000 that he was looking for. Two weeks later, the man came back and asked about settling up with the loan, and the bank replied that it would be the $5,000 plus $15.40 interest. The man wrote the check, got up, and got ready to leave. And just then the loan officer said, wait a minute, you know, while you were gone, I couldn't figure some things out. And so I asked about you, and I found out that you're a millionaire. Why in the world would you need to borrow $5,000? He responds, well, where else would I have safely parked my Rolls Royce for (laughs) $15.40? knowledge and putting it into practice. The combination is what makes it so important. I think this is what Solomon is asking for in our passage this morning. You see, I've reflected on this passage many times and I've always wondered what I would ask God of. If God ever appeared to me in a dream and asked that question of me, if God would offer me anything I would like, almost, almost kind of like that genie in the bottle, anything that I would ask for, 
what would I ask for? What would you ask for? I mean, would you ask for money, for fame, for talents, for more time? What is it that's on your heart today that you'd say, you know what, I think I would ask for this? You see, it's understood that Solomon, at the time of his request, was somewhere between 12 years old and 20 years old, depending on who you're, who you're reading. During a nice evening sleep, God appears and asks that question, what do you want? And Solomon's response was that he understood how young he was and that he didn't have a lot of experience in maybe worldly things, so he wanted a discerning heart so that he could lead his people in the ways of God. It is said that Solomon asked to be able to know the difference between right and wrong. In the ESV, the English Standard Version, uh, it says the difference between good and evil. And this makes me wonder about the creation story where Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, the tree of knowledge between good and evil. Here, God is offering that wisdom, that knowledge to Solomon because he asked for it. And certainly because he asked for wisdom, God also gave, as you heard in the story, what, what most others would have asked for. He gave him long life, wealth, and honor. We must see that Solomon realized that, that his mission and vision of leading the people in his kingdom was impossible without the wisdom that God provides. Immediately after God grants this wisdom, Solomon receives his first test of wisdom. And I wonder if, if any of you remember the story that immediately follows this. And, and just in case you're wondering, you can go back and read this. Uh, but immediately after he is granted this wisdom, two women show up. And they ask him to make a ruling on a very sensitive matter. They both claim that a certain child was theirs. Each was adamant in their pleas for the rightful ownership of the child because they both had a child, and during the night, one child died. They were fighting over who was the true mother of the child that lived. Solomon asked for a sword. He wanted to divide the child in two so that each mother would have a part. I know, not very appealing. But this request brought two very different responses from the two mothers. One agreed and said, this child will be neither mine nor yours. Divide him, Solomon. And the other pleaded for Solomon to spare the child and give him to the other mother. Solomon then knew that the one who wanted the child spared was the rightful mother because she was so concerned with the welfare of the child. Solomon called the other woman's bluff and determined the wise thing to do. It also should be noted that Solomon never asked God to do things for him. He didn't ask for God to intervene, to, to kill his enemies, or to solve his problems, like the one with the child. 
He didn't ask for jobs to be completed without human effort. Solomon asked for wisdom so that God would be seen through him. He wanted to make sure that the people saw the decisions and discernment and the reasoning that came through himself was only because of God's wisdom, which was granted to him. Far too many times, I think, we look for the easy way out. We want God to intervene and solve all the problems for us. How would we ever truly learn if God did every time? How would we gain more knowledge about who God is and what God's desire for us is? We, like Solomon, need that wisdom as well. We need the knowledge gained through this life and by the grace of God to help us in making decisions, deciding where we should go, deciding what we should do. This comes through the wisdom granted by our Creator. And so here's one of the keys to understanding godly wisdom. It's not just about knowing the truth, it's also about knowing what to do with it. It's not just about knowing the truth, but it's also about knowing what to do with it. We can't just gain the knowledge without the ability to put it into practice. Wisdom requires both. The knowledge needs to sink into our entire being until our hearts are emotionally and spiritually changed. Timothy Keller, a theologian, explains it this way. He said, My brother-in-law would never wear his seatbelt in the car, and I berated him for it. Then one day he picked me up at the airport, and he had his seatbelt and the harness on. I asked, What happened? What changed you? His brother said, I went to visit a friend of mine in the hospital who was in a car accident and went through the windshield. He had two or three hundred stitches on his face, and I said to myself, I'd better wear my seatbelt. Tim says, did you not know that if you didn't wear your seatbelt, you would go through the windshield if you had an accident? Of course I knew it, he said. When I went to, to the hospital to see my friend, I got no new information. It was stuff that I already knew, but the information that I had became new. The information got real to my heart and finally sank down and affected the way I lived. You see, just knowing the information doesn't make it transformational. It needs to be put into practice. Many times that only happens when the information makes it this incredibly long journey from our head to our heart. Sure, it may be only a matter of inches from our heads to our hearts, but it's, but it's much further than many people will accept. Remember, it's not just about knowing the truth. It's also about knowing what to do with it. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, loved to think about theology in a few ways. Yes, he was a man of one book, as we would call him, as he was always known to be reading scripture, even on horseback. Not sure how that works, especially with print as small as this stuff is and trying to read on horseback. But he was always reading, always searching, and always thinking about God and wanting to know more. He formed much of his theology 
through that, but there were a few other areas that he did as well. Introduce you to another gentleman by the name of Albert Outler. Uh, and you might have heard that name before. He was a theologian who studied John Wesley, uh, studied his works, and came up with something called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Dan knows what I'm talking about. Quadrilaterals. I start talking math terms, and he's like, ooh, all right. As Outler studied the sermons and writings of John Wesley, he found patterns in his theology. First, he found that, that he would always look to Scripture as priority. The primacy of Scripture was foundational to John Wesley. However, Outler would say that there were three other areas of thought that shaped Wesley's theology. One of those was the great tradition of the church. Now, this is the church universal, not just, uh, not just the United Methodist Church or the Methodist Church or the Episcopal Church or the Catholic Church, but God's church. Wesley would also rely heavily on our own experiences throughout life. How we were raised, our families of origin, our vocation, friends, and even general life experiences that each one of you have plays into our decisions regarding theology. And it played into John's. The final piece of this quadrilateral is reason. John always thought that we were given sound and rational minds by our Creator, and it would not, and it would be a shame not to use them. The Methodists were a thinking church. With a focus on reason, we develop our intellectual abilities. This helps us to look at the great commandment. To love God, to love God in the right of reason, in the light of reason, as a way we develop our minds in ways that deepen and enhance our expressions of love. I think if, if we were to look at John Wesley's definition of wisdom, he might point to the quadrilateral and say that wisdom is derived from scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. And when you're able to put all of those things together in your decision-making, you will find a much deeper sense of wisdom. This is the wisdom that God wants to give to each of us. Do you really want that wisdom? Is that what we are searching for? Do you want to be able to discern the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, and do you want to be able to utilize that wisdom in your life? I hope that we all would. So if we remember that wisdom is about having the knowledge and knowing what to do with it, then how are we to truly live wise lives? Maybe we should turn our focus to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Because here is where we read Paul telling the people to live wise lives and making the most of every opportunity. So this is the English Standard Version. So just... Listen again to what he said. Oops. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Those of you who hear these words about singing songs and say, I just don't know that I carry a tune in a bucket. It says singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. It doesn't always say with voices. Making a joyful noise. But you see, these words could have been, could have actually, they might have actually been written for us today. The days as we look around them seem evil. We're surrounded by situations and circumstances which leave us wondering about the good in the world at times. These are times when we really need to use godly wisdom. Therefore, we need to be aware of our surroundings. We need to know when we enter certain spaces that can be dangerous or times when we need to speak up, maybe for someone whose voice is not being heard. Paul tells us also to not be impaired. We don't need anything to get in the way of sound judgment and wise thoughts. I think this goes far beyond the usual thought of of drunkenness. I think this goes for anything that gets in the way of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Remember me talking about those relationships, that vertical relationship that we have with God, our creator. And then that horizontal relationship that we have with each other. Those friendships and family relationships. Don't let anything get in the way of those. And that might be alcohol or drugs or pornography or pride or envy or laziness or or a host of other sins that impair our ability to think wisely. However, if we are to do something, we need to worship sing and praise and pray and and give thanks always and everywhere to God. And we are to do this with each other, together. You see, when we are in the right place, when our relationships are good, then we will find it easier to live wise lives. If your love tank is full, you will find it easier to make good decisions. Because I don't know about you, But when I'm tired, I'm stressed out, I'm frustrated, overextended, overworked, or hangry, I find it difficult to make good decisions. How about you? God wants to give wisdom to all of us. God desires nothing but the best for all of us. We need to ask for it. We need to receive it and then put it into practice. This happens in our personal lives and the life of this church, a journey of hope. We are on this journey together, and we all need wisdom for the journey. Let's ask our loving and all-knowing God for the wisdom required to keep traveling, to keep going on our journey of hope. Will you pray with me? God, we hear words of wisdom and knowledge and and challenges for how we are to live our lives. God, we hear about your son Solomon, your son David, so many other children of yours who were very wise. God, we know people in our lives who are wise. 
the ones we go to when we are looking for answers. God, help us to, to not only turn to those around us, but, but that we can turn to you. God, that when we encounter a situation where we need wisdom, where we need discernment, we need to know answers or what direction we need to take. God, that we open up our hearts and our minds to you and ask, like Solomon did, for wisdom. And so God, I know that there are, there are many here whether in this building or watching online or maybe even watching later today or this next week, that, that maybe in that point of saying, I need some wisdom. So God, I pray for them. I pray that that wisdom will come. That God, that it may come through that nudging or that voice of yours that it may come through the voice of someone you have asked to speak. God, we all need wisdom for our journey. Offer that to us. God, we lift this all. Our strivings and our struggles and our searching for this great knowledge. We lift it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing song today is one of those songs where I'll ask you to stand as you are able and join in, but as you're singing this and, and thinking about being near to the heart of God, that we ask for that wisdom as we draw near to God today. near to the heart of God. This is where we find that wisdom as we draw near to God. And so I, I ask you this week, as you go from this place and, and you go out into your daily lives, that you spend time getting close to the heart of God. Spend some time in reflection, knowing that God meets you in those places and God offers wisdom in those spaces if you will just pause and spend time there. Now as we go forth from this place, maybe you go across the hall and have some coffee and, and some more conversations. May you go knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.